Welcome to the We Need to Talk podcast. My name is Grace Presley, and I am a storyteller, writer, artist, and truth seeker. I firmly believe that the deeper we step into our truth, the more universal we find our stories to be. My inspired intention with this podcast is to hold space for you and your vulnerable yet inspiring stories. I invite you to come as you are, peel back the layers, and know that your story is worth loving. Join me each week as I share powerful interviews and inspiring stories with women that not only have found their voice, they have set aside their should-bes and not good enoughs and are standing in their truth. These women are you, and you have that incredible power inside of you as well. It's right there. Can you feel it? Welcome back to the We Need to Talk podcast with Grace Presley and Kimberly Borges. Today, we had the amazing opportunity to talk with Kelsey Abbott. Kelsey is a confidence coach. She's an instigator of joy. She's a writer, a speaker, and the host of her own podcast, the Find Your Awesome podcast. Uh, She helps driven humans learn to really truly love themselves and shed the shoulds, embrace their own unique greatness and sparkle. She's all about the flow. She's all about spaciousness, and she's all about asking really good questions that can help you uncover your own limiting beliefs so that you can live an empowered life. But today, we got to ask her all of the questions, and we are so excited to introduce you to Kelsey. Welcome, Kelsey. Welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. I love you both so much, and I'm so... We were just talking before we got started that we've only known each other for like six months. Yeah. And And it feels like like six years. I feel... Yeah. You're just like a part of my life, like, and it just feels like you're always there. (laughs) Um, so why don't we give our listeners a little bit of, uh, look into who you are and what you do. Um, so give them like maybe a little macro view of, of what you, what you got going on. So the big picture is I'm a confidence coach, I'm also an instigator of joy. And I believe that everyone has all the answers. I believe that everyone is so much more powerful than they can possibly ever understand. And I help people bring out their brilliance by asking powerful questions. What kind of questions? Yeah, I'm curious oh, about shit that. disturbing questions. <laughs> <laughs> Big questions, open-ended questions. I'm, I'm a very curious person. And it's something that drove my parents crazy as a little kid because I was always asking questions. And now I get paid to ask questions. This is pretty much the best thing ever. Is this something that you learned through your um, certification, like your coaching certification, or is this just like your thing? You're like, you just found that like certain questions just open people up. That's a really good question. So I, my coaching program, I got certified through IPEC, which is the Institute of Professional Excellence in Coaching. And we definitely learned about asking questions and I learned some particular questions and I couldn't even tell you what they are right now. And I think I've probably left them already and yeah. <laughs> just created my own. The program really just gave me permission to ask questions. I was, and I was a biologist before I got into coaching and biology is all about asking questions. So I think, I think like if you trace my whole life back, I've been asking questions the whole time but with less and less confidence. And now I just come right out and ask them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you live now in 
Florida, but I'm trying to remember, you've kind of been all over the world, all, or the world, the country, kind of take us through what your early life, your early, early childhood kind of looked like. Early childhood was actually all in one place. Um, well, it was in Massachusetts. I am a masshole by birth. And my mom's a travel agent, though. So we traveled always. Like, I saw my first grass in Bermuda. Um, I, you your, know, your I was a few what? months old. Your grass. Grass? Yeah. Like, I, I'm an October baby, so oh. I my parents <laughs> didn't have grass yet. And then, it, then there's snow on the ground. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> and we went to Bermuda when I was a few months old. And that's where I saw my first grass. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember it? No, you were, th- you were like three months. No, there are lots of pictures of it. <laughs> that's funny. So after living in Massachusetts, growing up there, well, actually kind of like, what was your, what was your childhood sort of like? You, your mom is a travel agent. Your parents were together. Yeah, they're still together. They, my dad worked a ton. He worked in finance. Um, my mom worked a ton too. I found sports pretty early on. I did ballet for a little while. I did gymnastics. I loved gymnastics and I actually at one point made the team and then they're like, but you're too tall because I'm just shy of six feet. Oh, um, yeah. And then I found swimming and I was really bad at first. And, but I was so, well, curious and I just kept like, and I, I, and persistent. So I just kept working at it and I got better and something. And then I, and I always felt more at home doing sports. I play field hockey and lacrosse as well and softball and, you know, pretty much everything. Um, I felt so connected when I was using my body. So then I went to boarding school in 10th grade and I played water polo there and t- on top of swimming and totally fell in love with that sport as well. Again, started out, I hadn't even seen a water polo game when I first experienced that sport. Had no idea what I was doing. Was petrified by the whole thing. And ended up just having a blast with it. How do you think that has, you know, I, I see your Instagram and I see your stories and I know a part of your story too, Kelsey, we talked when we, we first met just about um, triathlons and um, that kind of stuff. How do you think that like the sports early on in your childhood and through college have kind of come with you to now because you're, you're still very active and like being in tune with your body and um, like this, this new um, adventure that you're on too, you know, with your business, but even just biking, like I see you, you know, in bike and like your spandex and, and your caps whenever you're swimming and all that stuff on social media. Um, do you feel like it has like I was in sports too, you know, in high school. And so it gives you a sense of just maybe not accomplishment, but I don't know, just feeling so good about being in tune with your body. And like, how does that translate into now for you? So backing up a bit, I had a bunch of learning disabilities as a kid. Mm -hmm. And in first grade, 
I was pulled out of class regularly to meet with a tutor. And I remember being tested for all this stuff before. And I don't remember what the results were, but like basically I wasn't the brightest crayon in the box. And so I was pulled out for tutoring with Mrs. Rosenberg, but I called her Mrs. Raisenbrand because I didn't like her. And that was my big insult. (laughs) (laughs) And I did not like having to go play with Mrs. Raisenbrand because her type of play wasn't very fun. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, so school wasn't always super easy until I found teachers that actually would teach to me instead of just ignoring Uh, me uh and teaching to normal kids. And I think sports was like coming home because I was, I could connect to my body and, and then there was the belonging of the team too, but I could connect to my body and I could try new things and I could fail and I could learn and I could grow and I could actually get better. Whereas like in the classroom, it was kind of like, I'm trying really hard, but you're not always seeing it. So even today, as I like when I share stories on social media and stuff, a lot of them come from sports because that's where I learn everything. You know, so much of this stuff, because there's reaching a rock bottom part in your life or many different rock bottom points. But then there's also like training where in a way you're putting yourself in that rock bottom-ish place to a very different extent. But like, you're putting yourself under extreme stress and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, guess what I just learned? Yeah. yeah. Just that again and again and again. I'm addicted to the, like, what can happen today? Yeah. And the learning, I think the learning that comes with that, where perhaps maybe the learning in the classroom wasn't your strength, but the learning that comes where with sports or um, even uh, how you teach that to your clients too. Um, like a constant growth and a constant learning curve that yeah. you just are continually on. Yeah. And I learned through my body first that, mm-hmm. and which I think was what made the classroom so challenging early on. Yeah. Ooh, I noticed that too. That with, like a, sorry. Yeah, I think so. Like the kind of, I mean, I remember the trauma of my <laughs> first, when I was visiting the school I went to starting in first grade, um, I visited the kindergarten class and the teacher who was kind of scary was like, okay, everyone's going to go to gym class now. And I'm just visiting for the day. I didn't have sneakers. And she started yelling at me and I was really upset and crying. And eventually my mom came to get me and I, I left. And then we tried that again, like, I don't know, a few weeks later or something. And I had sneakers. And it was all okay. I still was terrified of that woman. I always was a little scared of that woman. I was at the school till eighth grade and she always, she always scared me. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know where, oh yeah, yeah. I was always that way. Like I remember, I remember playing soccer as a little kid. I remember like my parents trying to get me out of the pool. I wasn't into the competition necessarily or the competition with other people. I'm still not really like, I don't care that much about beating other people. I care about doing my best and like learning something new and figuring something out along the way. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you got really into sports. That was really like where you shined. Um, and then, and then what, like you, you said you were a biologist, a marine biologist. How did, how did that come about? <laughs> yeah. So, so in college I studied, I was a psychology major. I majored in psychology and art history. I, did a minor and a half in biology. So basically I was a neuroscience major without taking organic chemistry. And the art history I studied abroad in Italy and I never had any intention of using that beyond that. That was like a fun, fun thing. Cause I'm a huge nerd. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm, I must, I went to small liberal arts school in Maine and first of all, all the athletes, got recruited or at least the team captains were recruited by all these financial institutions being like oh you're a competitor come be an investment banker i wanted nothing to do with that and then i remember going to career counseling and they're like do you want to be a teacher nah they're like oh you're into science how about med school no vet school Maybe like that, that and teaching seemed to be the two things that like, maybe they would work. But what I really wanted, like, I was really curious. I really wanted to study animal behavior. So I went and I studied dolphins in Hawaii. And then, and then while well, I did some vet internships and learned that I didn't want to go to vet school because I can't handle euthanizing an animal. Mm. And so, so yeah, then I ended up going to graduate school for marine biology and I was a marine biologist for a few years. I studied for my master's, I studied killer whales and I studied the impact of toxins on the Southern resident killer whales. They get the Southern residents, they um, get what's called peanut heads. So usually their head is like, from the blowhole across is like a straight line. But as they become malnourished, they get this dent in their head. So their head kind of looks like a peanut. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and when that happens is they're malnourished. And because like all animals, toxins are stored in blubber. Like for us, toxins mm. are stored in fat. So as the animal becomes malnourished, it's pulling more and more toxins into its bloodstream. And then so they, when they would wash up on beaches, they'd be considered toxic waste. Oh. So I studied that. That was really cool. And yet being an actual research biologist might mean being on a boat. I was too active to be on a boat for months at a time. That idea didn't sound fun to me. So I worked, I worked for the federal government for a while in D.C., in a cubicle where I wore like professional clothes, which was so not me. I would, I was always like breaking some. I some can't even rule. picture you in like professional. Yeah. Like, like no, a <laughs> no, like a collared shirt. And I think I was always breaking the shoe rules. Like, I don't know, cause I can't picture. I did have, I guess I was just always taking my shoes off under my desk. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have any idea what I wore during winter. I remember wearing sandals. But, but yeah, I was always pushing those rules. And I was always the person who would be like, we have to have a meeting and we don't need to write anything down. Let's walk. And people were like, what? And I was like, 
at least around the block. Like we gotta get out of this place. We got people. Like, we gotta get out. And I remember being in a meeting once, and this was a, you know, maybe eight months into my job in DC. I'm looking around and realizing this is what everyone else wants to do. Like they love this. I don't. I like it when I get to talk to people. I like to like it when I get to talk to scientists because I was doing permitting. So marine mammals are protected species. So whenever you want to do any research on them, you need to get a permit. Mm. And so I'd get to talk to their sci- the scientists about their studies. That was fun. All the rest of the stuff like and writing reports in what I call government ease, which means it doesn't, it's not real English. It doesn't make sense. That was not lighting me up at all. So I was offered a big promotion and I said, thank you very much. And I quit. And that's when I moved to Maine. My Pete and I weren't married yet. All my stuff, actually, when I was working in DC, we had been living in Oregon and I couldn't find a job there. I'd been teaching swim lessons and doing some contract work. So I took the job in DC. All my stuff was still in Oregon. So we both quit our jobs, moved to Maine. And that's when I got into science writing. I took a documentary writing class and loved science writing. And what I liked most about it was seeing people light up when I talk about things. Like just people, some people would say like, oh, the general public doesn't like science. Which is such BS. And I don't have any idea where that concept came from, except for like other parts of science are boring. But everyone cares about cool animals. Like when I tell people that sea cucumbers that can breathe out of their butts or that they do breathe out of their butts, <laughs> everybody loves that fact. <laughs> like that's going to come in handy at some point in your life. You're going to be talking to a 10-year-old who's off sulking and you're not engaging with you. And you'll be like, hey, guess what? Sea cucumbers breathe out of their butts. And they're like, oh, really? <laughs> you are the coolest person ever. And then you've made a friend. <laughs> so... So yeah, okay. So from there to um, then all, the whole time I was coaching swimming on the side. That was just a fun, it was for fun and extra money. And that evolved into coaching group or teaching group fitness classes, um, personal training. So I was still doing, I was doing like a combination of all of that and science writing. And then I got three amazing science writing gigs with like really big science writing outlets and like three in a row they all the funding got canceled right off the bat and that's when I learned about life coaching Mm. and so I reached out to I saw a post on Facebook from a friend who was like I'm going through this life coaching program and I've got some like I've got a coach for practice who wants sessions. And I wrote to her and I was just like, I don't want a session necessarily, but tell me, what is this? She told me all about it. The next day I was on the phone with the director of the school. And I think one day after that, I was all signed up for the next course. Yeah. Did you just know like that, like, did that light you up? Like to know, like, I I feel like some people are like with life coaching, like, you know, that's, weird or that's like, you know, just not something that people usually think about. But like, if you're drawn to it, I think we, I don't remember who 
else we had a conversation with Kimberly, or maybe it's just a personal one that I've had, but you just like the next day, like once you find out about it, you're like, that's it. Maybe it was Tori. I don't know. But did you know? I knew. I had been also, so as a triathlon coach, some of my athletes, like, like giving them workouts, anyone could have written their workouts. But what they really needed help with was I was astounded by how many people struggled with their relationships, like with their bosses, for instance. They'd be like, I couldn't get my workout in today because I had to stay late at work and my boss made me do this and this and this and this. And I was like, like, say no. Yeah. Like, you can say no. And I, I was so curious by that. So I found that they needed what they really needed support on was boundaries and self-worth yeah and that wasn't I could I could kind of like loosely help them as a triathlon coach and what really lit me up too was helping them with those things I wanted them to become faster athletes stronger athletes but I really wanted them to like fall madly in love with themselves and know that they are worthy yeah that's a hard thing to learn yeah. yeah. Did you ever have problems? Like, did, was working through boundaries and saying no and, you know, having that self worth, was that ever an issue for you that you had to work through? Or was it something that, like, just came innately to you and you were like, I don't understand why you're not saying no? The boundaries piece, actually, I'm, I'm not a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've never really been a people pleaser. Um, so, boundaries actually does, well, Okay, so in that sense of not necessarily just automatically saying yes to people, I don't have the drive that a lot of people do to just make other people happy. Mm-hmm. I want people to be happy around me, but but yeah, I can I can say no. I do struggle with other aspects of boundaries, but the self worth piece, holy cow, that was my whole childhood. Mm-hmm. I like I would walk I walk down the hallway and match you know the sound of my footsteps on the linoleum. I'd say, I hate myself, I hate myself, I hate myself, I hate myself. And I remember that so vividly for like the entire time I was at that school, like first grade through eighth grade. And I, I mean, I remember, you know, and then go back to first grade. So our class was split into two groups. They only did this in first grade, I think. Panda bears and the unicorns. And you weren't really supposed to know the difference, but obviously the unicorns were the smart kids and the panda bears were not so much. We were like cute and roly poly. So I was a panda bear and, and I knew that the unicorns were the smart kids. So as I remember, I remember knowing like, I'm not worthy. I'm not like those smart kids. Mm-hmm. Those kids are all like magical and majestic and sparkly. And I'm just like, cute and roly-poly and you wonder if I'm going to fall off things. <laughs> so then, so then in first grade, one of the goals of the year was to read aloud in front of the class. And it took me a while and I was the last kid to go to read a dog on a log in front of the class. And when I finished, everyone clapped. And you could interpret that as, Oh my God, everyone's so excited for me. But that's not how I interpreted it. I was like, oh my God, they all pity me because I'm not worthy. 
Mm. So again, it just like gave me more fuel for that. I'm not worthy inner critic, which just, it was kind of the, like, it was just a huge part of who I was, especially as a kid. I would eventually feel worthy when I was like in the pool, mm-hmm. but then I'd come back to school and I was like, I'm not worthy. It was a constant, it was like a partner in my life was that lack of worthiness. When was the first time you remember telling yourself or having that story, that, that message be there, that you weren't smart, that you weren't worthy? Was it, was it the panda bears and the unicorns or was it your parents or where do you think you first picked that up? My parents never said anything. I do. My mom doesn't remember this, but I do remember once she said like, why don't you sing like, like so-and-so and that kind of stayed with me, but it was never about, um, it's never about smarts. And the fact is that once I got to like fourth, fifth grade, I figured it out. And I was like a high honor roll student, mm. but, uh, you know, I, re- I always felt like an outsider always. So there's this wanting to belong that kindergarten teacher when I visited and didn't have my gym shoes, that what, what she was saying to me, the way I was hearing it was, you're not good enough. You're not good enough to be here. You're not like us. Mm. And really she's just saying, you need sneakers to go in the gym. (laughs) When that story exists, we hear it completely differently. Yeah. Yeah. We give meaning to, to it. Yeah. Yeah. And we do that. It's not just kids that we do that. Like as adults, then we get more creative with our stories. I think. Yeah. They'll have multiple layers. Yeah. That could have started as children. And so, 50, 60 years old, and you're still carrying these stories through your childhood or from your childhood. Oh, yeah. From years. So, Kelsey, I'm wondering like the feelings of unworthiness, did that, do you feel like that started when you were introduced to school? Or was that something like, like I'm just wondering where you feel like that stems from or where it's like, was it that first? I know you kind of asked this, Kimberly, but I feel like I want to dig a little bit more into it like where it started. And then you said in fourth grade, like you realized, you know, you kind of got the hang of it, but where was that point where, where to like these points start to change where you, you know, now you understand uh, your worthiness and you, you understand that you are worthy. So where was that first point though, that you identified with it? Is it school? Is it before school? Is it, where did that come from? Like you said, you felt like you were always an outsider and was that something that the kids made you feel? And so that's a story you told yourself or is that something that you felt like you brought into the classroom? Mm, I think I brought it with me mm-hmm. and I don't know where it began. Mm-hmm. I don't, cause yeah, all of my early memories with other kids, I remember feeling like I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like them. And it didn't always, it didn't always plague me. Like it wasn't super heavy as a little kid, but I feel like I just wasn't like super carefree. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, everyone loves me. I, yeah, I just wasn't that kid. I, I was like more so, yeah. shy. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so young to have that feeling of unworthiness because Sawyer will be starting second grade. And so for him, like little things pop up. And so I wonder if things that he'll say like about his body or about other kids. And I'm like, okay, you're seven. So is this coming from me? Is this coming from school? Or are these coming from your own thoughts? And that is so young to be carrying these thoughts already with you you know, and, and whether you address them now or you realize that later, like in your life. I feel like, I feel like that stuff can happen. It starts so early, you know, probably when we're like two or three. Yeah. But we don't have the words for it until we get older. And then we still don't even understand the words. Like if you had asked me when I was like six or seven, do I feel worthy? Well, I probably didn't really know what worthy meant, but if you'd asked me in like appropriate language for that age group, I may have said yes. Because it just, it, you know, it takes so long to be able to see what's holding me back. Like why, why in college did I, I was almost winning a race. I could have won a race and I intentionally backed off like a hundredth of a second. So I came in second. Why? Because I didn't feel like I was worthy of winning. Mm. I wasn't, ready and willing to accept my own greatness yeah did you know at the time that you intentionally backed off yeah I have such a strong memory of this race it was I so as a swimmer I'm a better triathlete than I was a swimmer I was like a solid b swimmer like b b plus swimmer and so I wasn't in college I wasn't winning races I was, I was more depth, you know, maybe I'd come in third in a race, but yeah, I was winning. And I remember coming off the turn and it's a 50 free. So I would breathe once or twice during the whole race. And so the only time I really saw the girl next to me was on the turn and there was a like, holy cow, I'm ahead of her. And like working it, working it, like feeling the burn in my entire body coming to the flags and kind of being able to see the core of my eye. Like, I think I'm still ahead of her a little bit. And then just kind of being at the time, I think, no, at the time I wasn't thinking like this was not, it was not a conscious decision, mm. but like, I just, you know, took my foot off the gas just a tiny bit. This is enough, and it wasn't enough that anyone would notice. Yeah. But just enough that I knew kind of few. I didn't have to stand on top of the podium. And this was actually a dual meet, so there was no podium. But I didn't have to. It's almost like I didn't have to shoulder the responsibility of being the best in that event that day. Yeah, or not allowing yourself to even be seen, like in that manner. So you, it's like you were hiding, you know. Yeah. Not, not yeah. Yeah, hiding was a big part of my lifestyle. I did a lot of hiding. Yeah, so what did not that look like, like. What did that look like in er other areas then, as far as hiding? Just being super shy. Um, and I remember so my school had what was called the declamation contest and you would memorize a poem and then recite it in front of the school. So in third grade, 
did a practice poem where you didn't, you didn't go beyond the cafeteria. And I think you only did it in front of your class. My parents chose a poem for me and it was trees by maybe like Joyce Kilmer, I think, but it starts, I think that I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree. And at some point in the poem, there's the word breast. And I, the, so I recited it really well in front of my class. And some the boys, I think, like kind of snickered at breast. So when I was reciting it in front of the, like our whole grade in the cafeteria, I pretended I forgot the line and just kind of, I had, and then maybe mumbled through the rest of it. Um, I'm kind of curious, like you had this story that you were unworthy or different or like an outsider not smart enough you were a panda bear you weren't a unicorn and so i'm kind of curious if that really played into your i mean you just don't you don't do well in the office setting in the box setting in the you know corporate america and i'm just sort of curious like is that because you saw that that was what the unicorns were doing and you kind of because you weren't a unicorn that maybe you even sort of like rebelled against it and you're like well then i'm just gonna do my own thing and like be free over here and i don't want that life because i'm not one of you so you know kind of like a middle finger like i think it's actually like that but not that so I think it's like more that I think I was such a free spirit, but the world wasn't made for that. And so the world was always trying to put me in boxes and I didn't fit comfortably in a box. So I always felt like I didn't fit. So constantly a story is like, you don't fit. You're not good enough to fit in this like square box because you're not a square. So for me then, but it was by the time I finished college, I was just like, I do not want that. I saw some of my friends wearing suits to go to job interviews and I was like, no, 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 no. I don't know what I'm going to do, but none of this feels right. And hell no, I'm never wearing a suit. Mm. Never, ever, ever. Suits have gotten more stylish. I still don't plan on wearing one, but I'm more open <laughs> yeah, I we're gonna have to wear one. Yeah, I just even the idea of wearing like, like I still have swimmer shoulders and putting on a blazer. Oh God, I'd be trapped in there. Yeah, yeah. At what point did you feel like though that you didn't have to fit into that the mm. box anymore? Where where did you? Or did you realize that that didn't have to be the option? Yeah, because I, I felt shame over not fitting into the box. And so I tried recently, you know, in my life, you know, I graduated, I went back to college, graduated with a degree in accounting from a super competitive university and was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a box person. And because I felt shame for years before that I wasn't a box person. And only recently I'm like, no. Fuck the box. (laughs) I'm okay not fitting in the box. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think graduating from college, 
helped. Well, first of all, I mean, I guess in a way there's the fact that I was like a bio minor and a half that I was like, I'm going to be a neuroscience major, just like some of my friends, but I don't want to take organic chemistry. Therefore I'm going to do it my own way. Psych major, bio minor and a half. Um, and then, yeah, once I graduated from school, everyone going to off to these like real jobs. And I went to study dolphins in Hawaii and I wore a bikini for work every single day. And so then I definitely felt the freedom to not do what everyone else is doing. But still I was like, it's because I'm on track to, to go to grad school. So then I went to grad school and even in grad school, um, something got screwed up so that my major, so there was one, one of the professors was like the marine mammal guy. And for some reason I didn't get him as my advisor. So instead I created my own situation, which was like, I kind of had got myself like three advisors and we made my own thing. Like, I feel like I was paving my way my whole life, like making things up as I was going along, making it up like, okay, there's option A and B. Yeah. I'm going to create an option C. And that, I feel like that was the story from pretty much day one. And there were just times I would like fall off it and be like, this is hard. I don't want to keep pushing, like creating my own path. It would be so easy to just do, take the one that's already up, like created. Mm -hmm. And so I would take it for like, literally like not even a day and then be like, oh yeah, fuck this. I can't do it. I just, I, I'm, and I would, it would feel like, being called a strong woman, like, oh, Kelsey can handle it. And, you know, I'd be like, screw this. I can't, I want help. And yet no one could help me because no one else had ever gone on this path because I was making it up as I went along. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're, you still create that for clients. I think today, like, you know, you help Mm -hmm. them, you bring it back to them to help them like you walk alongside them, but help them create their own and finding that confidence and finding that worth and, and bringing it kind of back full circle towards them. Yeah. I really, I don't believe that anyone else can possibly know what's best for us. And so I really kind of, it's kind of a trigger for me when, when people tell other people what to do when they're talking about their life, you know, if they're talking about like how to, make a casserole that's fine but if you're talking about how to be your best self you can't like a lecture is going to inspire you but no one else is going to know all the answers you can't right when I started my business I took a course I knew nothing about businesses Mm -hmm. and and I had some like some old baggage around that because my dad had been in business and at one point he had been like business is the only thing that's important in the world. And I like very much disagreed with that. So it's like, Oh my God, I'm gonna have a business. And so, so I joined this course early on and I followed the rules. I did everything I was supposed to do. And it may have taken me a full year. I can't remember if it was a full year, but then I dismantled every single one of those things. And then things started to flow. Mm. 
anytime we feel like we're being shitted on, yeah, means they're not our ideas. Yeah. Yeah. They might work for a little while. Yeah, I have clients ask me, like, well, do you think I should, you know, like, they, they want to go, you know, get other programs or classes or courses on, like, this strategy and that strategy, and it's just, like but what feels good to you? And it's really easy to be like, okay, this is a formula and you just have to follow it and then everything will work out. But it's like, but that formula works for that person because that's what lights them up. So they can tell you like to the best of their ability, what lights them up. But if it doesn't light you up, it's not going to work. Right. It's true. So true. You can take it. Like you might be able to hang on to that formula for like five years, maybe even like 50 years, and then you're going to crash and burn. And there's always going to be this piece missing from your life. And you're probably not going to know what it is, but it's because you're not doing you. Mm-hmm. Like Because we all have, so I call it your awesome, this thing in us that is completely unique and the world needs it. And we're at our best when we're letting it shine. And when we're following someone else's formula, we're not letting it shine. And so we're always going to feel like something's off. And that's where we're going to try, like, we're going to try different teachers, different formulas, different diets, different workout routines. We're going to read a million books. But really, the, the key is that we're just, like, not being true to ourselves yet. Mm. And we all get there. You know, it's, it's challenging sometimes as a coach to be able to, like, I'm intuitive. I see people. And to be able to see someone that's like, oh, they don't see themselves yet. And there is that part of me that's like, I want to help you, but they're not ready. Mm. You have to let people get there on their own. So what do you do when someone's not ready if, you know, you're working with them? If they're working with me and they're not ready, well, they're probably not working with me. Right. They probably like wouldn't actually make the investment. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because it's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kelsey, your Find Your Awesome, um, I know you have a podcast, Find Your Awesome, and you help people find their awesome, but what is your awesome? Mm, I think it's that I can see people, that I really, truly see people. So if somebody isn't yet letting their awesome shine, I can often see it still. Like, I'll be like, oh, you know, that job isn't, it just isn't lighting them up. I keep it to myself because they're not ready to hear it. But yeah, I see people. And it, you know, sometimes that gift drives people away because sometimes that terrifies people because they're not ready to see themselves yet. They can tell that I can see them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we just talked about that and having that awareness around um, the accountability of knowing. Like once you know or once you're ready to see or once you're ready to receive that, but you can't do, you can't make somebody change. You can't make somebody see it. You can't make them want it. And so, um, you know, in in that realm, obviously they, they wouldn't be ready to work with you or be ready to receive that from you. But being able to see people but, you know, sometimes it's so hard to be able to see what other people see in you too, like that awareness around yourself. And sometimes what other people see in you is different than what you see in yourself. 
Yeah. You know, one thing that sometimes people just see the fact that I'm an athlete and they think I must be like very regimented in type A mm. and that is completely <laughs> false. <laughs> yeah, I do my workouts. I trust my coach. I log my workouts. And that is where the like, like I'm just, I'm committed I'm dedicated and I'm persistent. Um, I hate schedules. I hate rules. I hate shoulds. Like I am total opposite of like regimented and type A. We're yeah. totally in alignment with that. Like <laughs> schedules, rules, should haves, all of that. No, give me like blank, open, like expansive. Yeah. Expansive. No box. Like no box. Fit me in the box. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know, I look back to like my whole childhood too. And that's if I had that language and that knowledge as a little kid, like I can almost picture myself like as a three-year-old, like stomping my feet, being like, don't put me in a box. Yeah. <laughs> and that's I mean, I think that's what like if I could go give that little girl a voice, I think that's what I would have her say. And yet I'm not so sure what the response would have been from all those around me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's hard. I think as adults and teachers when school, I I mean, school is like the epitome of a box. Like it is a box and I, I feel like every realm trying to fit you into something, but you know, for parents too, just like with my little guy, like it's, it's, you want them to expand and have their own thoughts too, but then you're, it's, a constant kind of back and forth. So probably for your parents too, they, they wouldn't have necessarily known if that little girl could have said like, you know, mom, dad, don't put me in that box. But you, I think that's part of the work that you have done too, like for yourself and that you're helping clients do like, that's what you're meant to do. Like you don't have to fit in that box. And so then it circles back around to like finding what part of your awesome doesn't need a box to fit into, you know, and that confidence surrounding that. Yeah. And on the parent piece, I've two, two thoughts. One is I've heard like, we choose our parents so we can teach them something. Mm-hmm. So like, that's why so many of us are so different from our parents. Cause like, we're here to teach them to like open up a totally new way of thinking. Oh yeah. The other thing is, and I heard this on a podcast yesterday and I don't remember who it was, um, but it was on Oprah's podcast. And they said that we carry with us the trauma from, and the emotions from like, from our parents, from our grandparents. And so if you think, if there's a piece of you that feels like it's different, it doesn't quite go with the rest of you. And there's this, like there, it's almost like, like for me, I feel like there's like, I never experienced massive trauma in my life, but I believe that like my ancestors did not going that far back. And I, it's my job to heal that. Mm-hmm. to be able to give that some resolution and to move past it. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, of you know, you, you didn't necessarily have a, a whole lot of trauma in your life. Do you, do you think that you have, like, what would be your rock bottom or did you not have a rock bottom? Did you not have, like, a really low, low point? Or did you have many? I think I had lots of them. I've, I've definitely had... 
they're more unicorn bitch slaps from the universe rather than like bathroom floor moments. Um, What's a unicorn bitch slap? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it is? <laughs> it is. It's, the, it's the universe or, or me because I sometimes deliver them to my clients. <laughs> It's the. Are you writing that phrase down, Grace? I'm writing it down. <laughs> yes, I deliver unicorn bitch slaps. Um, so for me, from the universe, it's the universe being like, not that way. Okay, so like, here's a very lowercase example. I sent an email out to my list. I started. I wrote this email two days ago, and then I went to hit send. And it was like, you have to resolve this coding issue. I'm like, I did not code anything, nor do I know how to code anything in my email. So I'm like looking through the whole thing, scanning for code. Finally, I sent it off to my VA, but it's like seven o'clock at night. So she gets back to me the next day and she's like, found it. It was in this piece, this piece of my email that, you know, it's been in my footer since I, for like four years. I don't know why it suddenly was a problem. And then my schedule was super crazy all day yesterday. I didn't have a chance to look at it, to just finalize it until late last night. And there were thunderstorms. My dog doesn't do well in thunderstorms. So he was, as my husband says, talking himself through it, which means he's barking at me very loudly. So it's really hard to concentrate. And, um, and then I had written the whole thing, the whole intro, with regards to the date, which now was different. So I had to rewrite that. Then I woke up this morning and realized I didn't change the subject heading, which was also about the date. So basically like I took a really easy, simple task and one that I could have done in 15 minutes, let's stretch it out to maybe 30 minutes. I took three days. That's the universe being like, yo bitch, this is hard. (laughs) <laughs> Why? you're not supposed to do it stop forcing <laughs> yeah so that's like a little baby unicorn bitch slap <laughs> like when things feel really hard or when things are just like way more complicated than they need to be that's a like a sign that yeah. you could shift that's a reminder so, yeah, so i heard sorry I've heard different messages with that so like like I've definitely heard the the philosophy that you have like this is the universe saying like you need to be going in a different like direction but then I've also heard that like it's at those points that the universe is like you know maybe not about sending an email but like you know when things get hard it's like do you actually want this and so I always get conflicted of like am I supposed to like work through this and show the universe yes I really want this and I'm willing to like do the extra work it takes to like make this happen or do I just need to release and be like you know I'm just gonna go where it's easy and where it's flowing but then am I lazy for doing that and I I go back and forth with that So I think we know the answer. So, okay. Um, Like five years ago, I got a stress fracture. It was right before nationals for triathlon. I was having a good training season. I got a stress fracture in my tibia. I was devastated. Then um, that like four months later, I got a stress fracture in my foot. Then six more than that, six months later, I got pneumonia. And I didn't get, some people apparently get pneumonia for like a week. 
I had eight weeks, really, really sick, mm. bad pneumonia. Like I couldn't, I could barely walk to the mailbox. Um, and so I had a friend ask me, do you think this is the universe way of telling you to stop triathlon? And I, my heart knew, no, no, that is definitely not. This might be the universe being like, how bad do you want it? Mm. And also a reminder that even though you feel really healthy, you know, maybe dig into some stuff. Yeah. So I knew right off the bat when she asked that question, I missed triathlon so, so much through those injuries and illnesses that I knew that wasn't, that wasn't the answer. With the email, I'm like, I've been, I don't like email. <laughs> I don't read emails that come into my box. So why would anyone read my emails? I have yeah. such like a shaky relationship with that. Yeah. Grace and I talk about that too. Yeah. Emails. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, you're not a big proponent of doing the, the email list and stuff, right? Like you were experimenting with the text yeah, you know, I have like 20,000 emails in my inbox that I don't read. So yeah, me too. yeah I just don't read them. And um, <laughs> it, it's just, it's just not on my thing. Yeah, I, I don't write them because I don't think anybody like if I don't read them, like who's, who's really gonna want to spend time to read them unless, you know, I'm, I'm super invested in something, I guess, but I just I feel that resistance against there. I probably like you got much farther than I would have Kelsey, like on the third day of really trying to get that done. Like coding, I would have been like, okay, I'm out, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. done. Yeah. I mean, it's a massive should. Yeah. What yeah. I would coach my clients around is like, shoulds are shitty. What, what do you want to do? I want to not send out these emails, but I'm supposed to. Yeah, so yeah. this is, I've been coaching myself around this for a year now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just, you know, talked with um, Karen about like all the shoulds that you should do and like launching. And she's like, I just don't know. Like, no, there's no like should that you should do in any of it. <laughs> and so that's how I feel about email lists. Like you should, everybody tells you like have this email list, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, why? <laughs> you know, I, I have people on it and, and perhaps they do want some information, but there's, there's just resistance surrounding that. So. Yeah. It feels inauthentic to me yeah. because I don't, like, unless I'm kind of looking for an email from somebody, yeah, that gets deleted without opening. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Um, so Kelsey, you know, I, I love your Instagram and I love to, you know, everybody has their own thing and their business and everything that they're, they're kind of, um, doing, but I love your stories that you've started to share on here too. And one of the ones that I love that you've said. You said humans don't break. Humans go through challenging times. Humans hurt. Humans struggle. Humans are always whole. And because humans cannot be broken, humans can't be fixed. And I love that so much, you know, because I think that is like a shared, it, it's just a human experience that we have. Like we all have these stories. We all have these challenging times, but there's so much 
shame surrounding that, like just bringing light into that, like you were never broken. You don't need to be fixed. Like it all centers back to love, you know, and finding that love within yourself. Um, how do you go, like, how do you practice that within yourself? And then how do you go about allowing, like teaching your clients how to do that? Mm, I think language is really important. Mm -hmm. So I really think, I think language, I think words matter. Yeah. So for instance, if you say I was broken, wow. Like, you know, what, what's the image that comes up with that? I picture actually like pieces of human, like in a cartoon fashion, not gory, but like I pictured like a shattered human. Mm. And the fact is you're still here today. So like, no, you weren't because you didn't, you're not Humpty Dumpty. You didn't get glued back together again. You are always whole. You went through some serious shit. You got tested in every way possible. You got the opportunity to recreate your life on the other on the other side. And you got the opportunity to ask for and bring in tons and tons of help and to like kind of steer you into what you're supposed to be doing. It was like it was a different form of doing the work to find your awesome. Yeah. Because that, like that trauma, that really, really, really hard time was just like a really intense class in this is why you're here. This is what you're capable of. You got to This, you're here to share this with the world. Yeah. We are always whole and perfect and perfect doesn't mean without flaws. We're all filled with flaws. We are all ridiculous and none of us have any idea what we're doing. We're all making it up as we go along. Yeah. But we're, we're human. And I think part of being human is there are no half humans. There are no fractions of humans. Would you say that somebody who's had a leg amputated is like, I don't know, like eight tenths human? No, they're like a hundred percent human. Yeah. They're still whole. No matter what happens to you, you're still whole. And you're still love. I think I think that's a big piece of it. That we are we're love. We are here to be love, to lead with love, to live with love, to spread love to give love and to receive love. That's our number one purpose. Yeah. And you can't always, like, I know for me, like when you say that, you, like you're not broken, you've never been broken. I know I have felt broken, like to the whatever degree, um, and, you know, and, and working through that, but also coming on the other side of that and those experiences that shape you, those stories that you have, all of that, like centering it back around to that awareness of love has been life change. Like it's changed my life realizing that where you once felt broken, you've always been whole. Like you, yes. even in the midst of that rock bottom, you know, that I often talk about, like you, you were always whole <laughs> the whole time. You are, you are always perfect. Yeah. The entire time. And that feeling of broken it's, you know, we feel sad, we feel angry, we feel happy, we feel all these emotions. And in a sense that broken 
is is an emotion. And I actually heard this yesterday that emotions like motion, they're meant to move through us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that brokenness, it's just it's meant to move through us. I think we've all felt that feeling of brokenness in our own unique ways and to like different extremes. Yeah. And I think part of it may be too, like when you feel like you're not, when you, when you feel like you're not, it's not whole, but when you feel like you're not aligned, like you're like this body doesn't match my mind and my soul and my heart. But then when, so there's a, that happens, I mean, that happens in serious incidences. That also happens in like, you know, making a decision that just doesn't align with your values. Like we're all, this alignment thing is like a constant game. It's like there are magnets between our heart, soul, mind, and body. And they're always trying to pull back together. But our minds a lot of times like, like to go off and do their own things. Yeah. and do what we feel like we should do. Like even when we're following I should, we're not in alignment. And that's when we can just feel that like off kilterness. But it's a feeling. It's not a being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are always whole. Yeah, I think that when, when people or when we have thought that we're broken, it's, it's like we think that it, we give our emotions permanence. We think like this is, this is now I'm glued to this this is now who I am this is never leaving me but like you said emotions it's motion it's it's fluid it's not permanent but when we give it permanence then we're like well this is my life now (laughs) you know that's that's not true and that's not true at all um I'm kind of curious when did you when did you figure this out (laughs) When (laughs) when did you figure out that we are here to one, be in alignment so that we can, you know, love and, and give love and receive love. And when, when did this become your way of being? I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> I'm still yeah. figuring it out. I don't know anything. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm figuring it out every single day. Every single day is a brand new opportunity to like, so I often say we remember things instead of learning them. Because we really, like, we know it. When we really, truly can clear away the clutter, which may or may not be possible at a human level, we know all of this stuff already. But we are very forgetful. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be reminded of it all the time. And we're going to have the same lessons over and over and over again. And sometimes we can laugh as they come back to us. I'm like, right, right. <laughs> like with me with the email, right, let it be easy. Right. <laughs> That's just a constant lesson. Yeah. So I I don't, you know, would a younger version of me have said what I just said? I have no idea. I have no idea. But I also have no idea what me in five years is going to say, or even in like six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the more you meet people, the more you realize like everybody has junk, they have garbage, they carry a bag with them everywhere you go. And now that you have like a hindsight and a perspective, like you can look back at all of this and you find purpose in that, which is essentially 
what you've done, like you find purpose and you find awareness, like you're always bringing it back to center mm-hmm. and awareness towards those feelings. And so I would like to know, Kelsey, like what your life looks like now compared to what it looked like before, um, like those pivot points or like those dips in your life. So like compare the two. Mm. I was looking before, I was looking for external validation. Now, if I find myself looking for external validation, I'm like, hey, so what's going on? Why can't you give it to yourself? Yeah. Thanks for that that reminder. Awareness. Yeah. You had, you, I think that's so uh, like powerful to know that you have awareness surrounding it because I like, I think oftentimes, even in social media, like people will see our lives and they're like, man, like she's got it all together. She figured it out from her rock bottom. She did this. I'm like, no, like I still have really shitty things that happen to me, but I just have an awareness around it now. That's so much different than that version of me three years ago. You know, it's, yeah. it's so different. So you're constantly learning and constantly growing and constantly choosing differently. Um, or bringing it back to center and to love, but it, there's just such an awareness around it now, um, you know, that you have that you're able to make that choice and to take it less personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not all about me. You know, I remember as you just said, like that on social media, you can think that somebody so has their shit together. Mm-hmm. I remember I did an outward bound course. I went sea kayaking in Alaska my freshman year of college and that it was for ages like 18 to 40 or something like that and there was one other girl who was like i was 18 she was i I guess we were both 18 everyone else was i'd say like mid-30s or older they were like taking sabbaticals from work they'd gone through divorces like they they were in very different places than I was in. And I remember one of our last nights, this guy, I don't remember his name, his big blonde guy. And he said like, uh, about me, he said like, you always have your shit together. And I just started laughing hysterically (laughs) because, oh my God, no, I don't. (laughs) Like for me, having your shit together is like, Grace, it's like the schedules and the, like someone who follows the rules and, oh no, that's not me. And during that entire outward bound thing too, um, there was a lot I was going through and definitely feeling like an outsider because I didn't have that much in common with the, the other 18 year old. And I didn't have much in common with the people going through divorce. Yeah. Dealing with like bankruptcy and other stuff that happens in adulthood. World of adulthood. Yeah. 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 It's funny. You know, I think, I think people just see, they see us on social media or they see what, like what little bits that we portray, like what little pieces of our lives that we want to show on social media, but it's all just, it it is just learning and awareness. And um, like, we're, we're all just figuring it out. Like as we go along, even those 30 year old, you know, the 18 year old Kelsey and those 30 year olds that you were looking at, like on that trip, like they're still like waiting through, like, even though you're an adult, like you're just all these big kids, like trying to figure it out. Like I do not, I'll be 32 this year. And it's like, I'm supposed to have this figured out by now, but I don't. And I'm not sure if I ever will. And that's okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't believe in age, first of all, 
but, and I definitely don't feel my age, but yeah, I don't think we ever, I mean, I've, I've met like 60 and 70 year olds that I'm like, oh, you haven't gotten that lesson yet? Oh, cool. I guess we're all on our own schedule. Yeah. <laughs> Which centers back or circles back to like throwing the schedule out. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Let's dismiss the schedules. <laughs> Cause if you like the schedule for me is like, you just, first of all, you're going to be boxed in yeah. and then you're just going to be disappointed because it's not going to go according to the schedule. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in a place where I'm like trying to figure out because I'm also like not a schedule person. I'm not a type A. I, I don't know why I thought I would be an accountant. I don't, <laughs> don't know what happened. Um, but I actually really enjoyed studying accounting. I didn't like the actual like doing of accounting. But um, yeah, like trying to figure out I, I think that there's a way that I can take my personality and give it some amount of structure where it allows me to flourish rather than feeling like the structure is what's like, you know, imprisoning me, but I just haven't, I haven't figured it out yet. I, I like feel like there is something I just need to get creative and do it in my own way because I do sort of just feel like in general, I'm just like all over the place. Like everything I do on social media is like, I write these, these stories and these long captions in the moment. Like I don't write anything ahead of time. I don't plan my feed ahead of time. Like everything is just in the moment, which feels really good to me, but can also be really draining. So yeah, I'm trying to figure out where's that balance to, mm. you know. I, so I do it the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I'll come up with the idea earlier. Like if I go with like nothing, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I do it all in the moment. I have never been able to plan it out. I So my, like my Instagram journey started with doing inconspicuous awesomeness every single day. So I would find the inconspicuous awesomeness in every single day. So that might be a beautiful sunset, a flower, might be playing with my dog. Like, you know, it was different every single day. And when we were in the camper, it was, which by the way, for the listeners, I traveled around in a camper for 16 months. Um, then it was like finding a new place. Um, but somebody asked me once, can have you planned that out and had like, since you're going on vacation, did you plan your Instagram out ahead of time? I'm like, I can't, I don't know what my inconspicuous awesomeness tomorrow is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I have no idea what I'm going to post about today or what I'm going to take a picture of. And I finally gotten to the point of accepting that if I'm not inspired, I'm not going to post. That's how I've been, I think, the past month or so. Like, there, like if I don't have anything, I can't give anything. Yeah. It's not that I don't have it. It's just, like, like wasting words on something that isn't going to serve, um, serve people. And, you know, my thing has always just been about how can you serve to your highest, how you're meant to, you know, kind of your highest power. So I completely relate on that aspect. Yeah, it's it either flows or it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, I want to talk about your business a little bit, Kelsey. You know, how does your story connect to your business and where you are today? 
Mm. So I help driven humans grow, to clear away the clutter, shed the shoulds, break free of all the rules, the boxes, and just like find their awesome and own it. Own that sparkle, that spark that's within all of us. And, and this is what I needed when I was like, mm-hmm. you know, like 12 year old me could really have used this. Yeah. I was going to ask you, how does your business connect to your story? But. Yeah. This is what I needed. I wish I had had, I wish I had had a coach like me through like by my side the entire time, like my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny that that we as humans tend to think we don't need coaches. Uh-huh. Like, when it's so much better when we do have a coach. Yeah. And we can only coach ourselves so far. Yeah. But it's such a funny concept because if you want to, I mean, there's one thing you don't want to be your best. Okay. Go. Be free. Do your thing. But if you want to be your best, if you, if you want to grow, if you want to create something, that's like being an athlete, right? And the athlete, an athlete, top athlete always has a coach, mm-hmm. at least one. It's like a musician is always working with a teacher or a coach of some sort. Like performers are always working with somebody. Yeah. So why would we think as humans that we don't need one? Yeah. Yeah. I think that concept of even like coaching or life coaches, like you just don't hear about it until you're in that space of, I have to do something different. Like I can't keep on in this manner. And so then, you know, you're obviously opening up to receive whatever's presented with you, whether you're searching for answers or you're using Google or you're talking to friends who've used one. And so I think it presents itself in that way, but it's not like a concept that I, I learned about, gosh, probably until just a couple of years ago. Like I did, I would, couldn't have told you in high school or in college what a life coach was. No, I couldn't. I don't, I think it's that Facebook post that I learned that the concept existed. Yeah. yeah. And then once you more. find it, yeah, you're, you're just like, you know, if you're drawn to it, you know, yeah. if you're drawn to whether you need one, whether it's something you can help other people with, you know, in that kind of manner. And I think there's a common misconception for people who aren't in this space that a coach tells people what to do. Yeah. And that because I claim like a lot of people see me as an athlete and I can't. Okay. Wait, side note, I'm going to come back to. So, um, so a lot of people think like you, as an athletic coach, you're telling your athletes what to do. Like do this workout, work on this skill. And so they think that as a life coach, as a confidence coach, I would do the same thing. No, I never tell people the answers. Yeah. Um, on that side note, I, I've had people tell me, this was a little while ago, that they're, they're like, you're such an athlete. If you could look less athletic in your Instagram feed, then people, maybe more people, you'd attract more clients. What? Yeah. Um, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I was trying to fit you back in some kind of box. Yeah, these are my shoulders. I actually don't wear short sleeve shirts because my shoulders don't fit in them. They feel trapped. Um, I can wear long sleeves, but I'm in Florida and it's hot. 
Oh my God, <laughs> These are my legs. I don't like that's what they look like. <laughs> I, it's just part of me. Yeah. We can be so funny and people can be like, you look more feminine. And then, whoa, whoa. Yeah. So we're saying athletes and like athlete versus feminine, those are an either or. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I don't buy it. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is I can't change my shoulder. <laughs> my in college we had these ugly shirts that said Bowden swimming on them. And they I think they've been around for generations and they were the shirts we were supposed to wear when prospective students were visiting. Is it like they're like stretched out and this is late nineties, like fashion was not <laughs> Not at its peak anyway. But I, all four years of college, I got out of wearing those ugly shirts because my coach always said, no, no, Kelsey, you don't need one. Because people would come up to me just walking around school. And this is sometimes wearing a winter coat and just be like, where's the pool? I'm like, yeah, just walk with me. I'm on my way. Never fitting Kelsey in a box. And don't ever try to fit for your listeners, you know, just... Don't try to fit Kelsey Abbott in a box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and never. And short sleeve shirts either. Just don't. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you too, Kelsey, what kind of um, exercises do you give your cl- to your clients either to like give them permission to bring out their awesome or that confidence? Like what's maybe one of the things that you, you give the give to them to work through with them? Let's do three, three little self-love exercises. Okay, number one, go look in the mirror, make eye contact with yourself, and say, I love you. Say your name. Receive that. Like, make eye contact through the whole thing. Say it 10 times. Say it 10 times without looking away. Mm-hmm. It's okay if you're bawling through this. Okay, that's number one. Number two is... Take a little post-it note and write yourself a love note and include, say like, like I would say, Hey Kelsey, I love you. And I love the sparkle in your eyes. Like love Kelsey, like include something specific, post it on your shoulders. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And post it in the mirror on your bathroom mirror, read it every single time you see it. So I'd say like do that for a week and then change it out with a new one. People that are like, I share my bathroom mirror with somebody like that's so embarrassing. Okay. Include them in the exercise. So write a love letter, a love note to yourself and write a love letter to that other person and then have them do the same. Mm-hmm. So you each have like your sides in the mirror and you each read those notes every single time you see them. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is thank you. I know. So <laughs> whenever we as humans are really shitty about receiving compliments we tend to just brush them off and we might actually say thank you but we don't really truly receive Mm. so my exercise is when somebody gives you a compliment say thank you i know and here are the caveats for the really awkward like if you're in a corporate setting or or something where you really feel like you can't say that out loud say it in your head Say it like in written communication, use it. You can blame this all on me. 
<laughs> like I'm doing, I'm doing this exercise for my coach and encourage other people to try it as well. That, that pause, because we don't say thank you, I know. Say thank you, I know. In that space of that pause, it allows us to like really truly feel that compliment, to accept it, to believe it, and, and to believe that, okay, so that's what somebody else believes about us. And it creates the space for us to believe it too, or to just start to believe it. Mm. Yeah, I love those. So I want to encourage the listeners to try those. Yeah. <laughs> They're really powerful. We did, I went to a retreat, um, Crystal Honeycutt's retreat back in June, and there was a speaker there, and we all had mirrors. We were looking at mirrors um, at ourselves and saying these things back and forth, you know, to the mirror, these um, affirmations. And that is really hard to do. Like, it's really hard to be able to, like, I can write a love letter to myself, but to be able to speak it, to not break eye contact, like, that's really uncomfortable, and it's really hard to say and to be able to do. And I think we are... It just in terms of making eye contact with yourself in the mirror, when we look in the mirror, what are we looking at? Most of the time we're looking at our hair, we're looking at our body, we're looking at something specific, we're rarely yeah. looking at our eyes. And if we are, we're looking to see like what's wrong with our eyes. Yeah. Yeah. You're not actually allowing yourself to see yourself, like to see you. And um, even at Summit, we did this exercise, Karen Kenny had us look at a partner, you know, like you had to stare at them in the eye. Do you remember that, Kimberly? Yeah. Yeah. It was so uncomfortable. And I did it with um Jamie Herena. And <laughs> we we're both like crying, like tears. You know, it's so powerful when one you can see yourself, but two, then um you allow others to see you, to see and to be seen. So those Wait, did you do the I see you part of that? No. So my version of that exercise, make eye contact with somebody. I'm like, I would say, so, okay. I would say, I see you, Grace. And you would say, I am here to be seen. Oh yeah. We didn't do that. Yeah. I love that. And powerful. There's a, um, there was an experiment done, like a scientific experiment. This guy wondered if he could create love, like romantic love in the lab. And so they, like, I don't know, have you guys heard of this? Mm-hmm. They, he, he did, he created love. So he brought in two, I mean, and I don't know all the specifics of like the experiment, but the questions are out there. So basically he brought in two um, strangers and I think they repeated the results and they had a specific set of questions that, you know, require you to be really vulnerable and open up and at the end of it you stare into each other's eyes for six minutes straight um and the everyone that did this fell in love with each other which is um kind of interesting but but yeah part of it you know the questions themselves were like you feel closer to somebody when they are vulnerable and open up and then you feel safer to be vulnerable and open up. And then the, the eye contact is like what I guess seals the deal. You can just be seen by somebody. Yeah. I think it's like 30 questions yeah. or 40 questions like that included. And there's an app. Oh, is there? Yeah. There's an app. That's a list of those questions. Oh, okay. Yeah. I yeah. just read about it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so Kelsey, we've talked about lots of amazing things today, your story, um, you know, find your awesome, just how you've gone 
from not fitting, feeling like you have to fit in the box to understanding that like there is no box, like you create your own box. Um, and I think that's so powerful. Um, you know, I just want to ask a question um, as far as as we need to talk. Um, like the name of the podcast is obviously We Need to Talk. And uh, that could mean anything to anybody. Um, but when you hear that initially, it's kind of like an unsettled, like, hey, Kelsey, we need to talk. Like something's wrong. And so um, if there was one topic that you felt like we needed to talk about, like as a collective society, as friends, as girlfriends, as women, as just uh, whoever, the United States, anything, what would that be? What would that topic um, consist of? That is such a good question. That is such a good question. Um, and, and when you said the, like, the way you said, we need, hey, Kelsey, we need to talk, I even felt my heart drop. I'm in trouble even though it's just an example yeah it brings me back to like my teenage years with my mother like Grace Elizabeth we need to talk and I'm yeah. like Ooh. <laughs> so what would that be what because you know if it's a topic we need to talk about usually like it brings up those uncomfortable feelings and we need to talk is essentially about trying to remove shame around these topics that are so uncomfortable to talk about so it doesn't have to be about our stories you know it could be about it could be about the whales and like the what's going on in Florida right now it could be about anything mm -hmm. okay so there's so many things are coming up and I'm trying to find like an overarching theme like, it, okay, so the overarching theme is love, but I'm just going to share, and, and you could ask me this question again tomorrow, and I'll have a completely different answer, but one thing that's been on my mind lately is the idea of judgment and how we do it, how we insert ourselves in other people's joy um, or pain. So... For example, if um, if somebody is celebrating something and you say congratulations, or you say like, that's wonderful, congratulations. When you say that's wonderful, you're judging it. Yes, you're judging it positively, but you're basically saying like, I think it's wonderful. And the person, the person who's celebrating may, they're, they're celebrating, they may or may not think it's wonderful, and, and whether or not you think it's wonderful isn't really that important to them. Okay, so like by, you could also say that's horrible. Congratulations. Wait, what? Like I just, I just got promoted to the king of my company. And why would somebody say it's horrible? So like you're just like inserting yourself. And I think as humans, it's all about taking it personally. We just insert ourselves. There are a lot of things that just are. Yeah. And because we tend to judge things so much, we tend to label things so much. It's just a habit of speech. So maybe, maybe what I'm really coming down at is we need to talk about our language. We, we need to talk about the words that come out of our mouths. And we need to pay attention. We need to be conscious because each one of those words has a whole lot of energy to it. They do. Yeah. 
my ex-husband used to say to me, and I, I've said it recently too, but he'd be like, words mean things. And he didn't mean it in a manner of trying to like say it from a place of love, but like a place of manipulation. And so that stuck with me for the longest time because words do mean things. And whether you're using them in the manner of manipulating or the manner of judgment or placing your own judgment on them, um, they, I feel like words have energy to them. And, you know, depending on how you use them and what manner, uh, you know, will will create that reality. There's also words mean different things to different people. I asked in my Facebook group once mm-hmm. what the word hustle meant to people. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I was about to say, include like that I was anti-hustle in my, in my business. But after asking people, it was like split 50-50. People either love the word and it basically means flow to them or they hate it and it means force and struggle to them. Mm. I was like, okay, well then we're not going to use that word because <laughs> people are going to interpret that very differently. Yeah. Uh, I just have one last question as well. And so Kelsey, like Grace said, we've talked about you, you have just lived so many lives in this one life and you've worn many hats, um, daughter, student, uh, panda bear, athlete, swimmer, triathlete, uh, you know, partner, all, all of these different hats that you've worn, what have they taught you about what it means to be human? Mm -hmm. That, that that there's such a thing as a panda corn, (laughs) <laughs> you can be called a panda corn. You don't have to choose being a panda or a unicorn. You can be a panda corn. That's yes. awesome. <laughs> I love it. That we're all just making it up as we go along. That there are no wrong answers. That and and at the same time, this is all an experiment. And we can say oops and try again in a different way mm-hmm. all the time. That if we don't that this is just like we have no idea what we're doing, which is why, you know, the only thing we do know how to do, the only thing I think we are like really, truly innately know how to do is love, mm-hmm. to love, to be love and to receive love. And as we go through life, I think we really forget how to receive love. Yeah. And then we forget how to give love and we forget that we are love. Yeah. You know, when you're born, like that's all, you know, you know, yeah. you are born and that that place, like just essentially love, like, and you know, you go through life and you do tend to forget those things. But I think it's so powerful and so amazing um, to be able to circle it back around to love. You know, once you have that, that awareness that you have that choice to be able to do that, but to also, you know, with you, what you do with your clients too, Kelsey, to be able to watch people do that for themselves. Like, that's just amazing. Mm -hmm. That is my favorite thing about what I get to do is be a witness to this, like, yeah, just big fat reminder of like, oh my God, I cleared all this stuff away and what's left is love. And that's the truth. And once you know that that's the truth, like, can you really screw up? Yeah. No. Oh. Because you're like, no, you just can't. 
There's no such thing as a mistake. Yeah. It's just a piece of the journey. It's just an experiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kelsey, I know um, that the listeners are going to want to connect with you today or, you know, just whenever they listen to this um, and figure out a little bit more about you and connect with you on a deeper level. And where are places that they can do that? Where, where would they be able to find you? So Instagram is my playground. That's Kelsey Abbott CPC. And CPC is Certified Professional Coach because Kelsey Abbott in every variation was taken (laughs) because it is a very popular name, apparently. Um, And my website is KelseyAbbott.com. My podcast is the Find Your Awesome Podcast. And on Facebook, I've got a group, a free group called Find Your Awesome with Kelsey Abbott. And Find Your Awesome is my Facebook page. That's not that exciting. Come play on Instagram and in the Facebook group. Those are the fun places. Yeah. Yeah. yeah really connect with you. Yeah. We'll put all this in the show notes um, for you guys to go find Kelsey. So Kelsey, thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. I love connecting with you guys. Thank you so much for this gift. I, you guys are both so open and real and you wear hearts on your faces and I love it. Thank you for being you. <laughs> I love that. Not on our, not on our sleeve, on our face. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Wait, wait, what do we say? Thank you. I know. Yes. (laughs) Hey guys, we need to talk. I just wanted to take a moment and thank you so much for being here, for being part of this incredible, amazing tribe and just amazing community. You know, it takes a lot for somebody to be able to be vulnerable and to share their stories in this manner and it also takes a lot for somebody to be able to listen and to hold space and that's you and so thank you for that and if you find yourself needing help if you find yourself wanting to connect on a deeper level if you find yourself just wanting to reach out and talk to either me or kimberly please do not hesitate to do so Um, that's available to you guys and so many avenues and we love hearing from you and if you have a moment please head on over to iTunes and leave a review and let us know what you think. You know, your thoughts are important to us. Your stories are important to us. And we love hearing from you until next time.